I, uh, are we still... Okay. All right. So in just one moment, we get to hear from um, Susan Folkler, one of our pastor elders. Um, Susan, I will just say this. I get to brag on her for just a minute, but she's, I've always known her to be a remarkable person because she is. She carries amazing treasures, but I would say just, I don't know, the last, even in the last few months, I'm seeing her emerge like crazy, just this confidence of knowing who she is as, as an amazing daughter of the king. And she, if you've ever, never heard Susan, you will be greatly um, enriched. And uh, leading into her talk, we're going to show a very quick clip from um, the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And um, this is... She will explain it a little bit more, but this is when um, the winter is starting to thaw. Remember it said it's always winter but never Christmas, and that was the curse on the land. And this is the point in the movie when it's the winter starting to thaw. And um, go ahead, let's play the clip. Yeah, go ahead and start it again. There we go. Come here, come here. I hope you've all been good, because there's someone here to see you. (laughs) Merry Christmas, sir. It certainly is, Lucy. Since you have arrived. Look, I've put up with a lot since I got here. But this... We thought you were the witch. Yes. Sorry about that, but uh, in my defense, I have been driving one of these longer than the witch. I thought there was no Christmas in Narnia. No. For a long time. But the hope that you have brought your majesties is finally starting to weaken the witch's power. Still, I dare say you could do with these. Presents! <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> so how many of you have seen The Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe? Familiar with that, everybody around? Okay. So, um... I think this a meeting I was at with Brent a few weeks ago, I think we were just, I was seeing this picture of um, icicles starting to thaw. And the sense that for many of us, it's felt like there's been a freeze on our hearts. Like we've been pushing through, pushing through, pushing through, and it just, it's felt like maybe there's been a stuck place. And I feel like the Lord's been saying prophetically, that, that it's a season of, for thawing, just like in this movie. It's a, thesing, a season for the thaw to come to our hearts, that the things we've been yearning for and wanting and, and looking into are going to start happening. It's like there's been this birthing and, and this pushing and this, this yearning and wanting, and, and you see a little here and you see a little there. But I'm seeing a thawing. I'm seeing a thawing. And I think it's, it's happening in our society 
We see people like Brené Brown getting, you guys familiar with her? This whole message about the power of vulnerability taking our country by storm. I mean, that's making its way into society at large, that, that message. That message is making its way into into big co- into companies and corporate and, and how to lead a, com- a company. It's the, it's the messages starting to become more and more. You got to do it by your heart. You can't do it by your head anymore. You don't. It's actually more successful when you lead by your heart. And that message is becoming more and more um, the norm in many many places. So um, I want to um, just move from here. This message about Narnia and. and um, kind of segue a little bit into what we're about with talking about Christmas and the season right now, too. And um, you know, before I want to get going, I do want to um, just validate, actually, Terry, what you were seeing earlier. I wasn't so much seeing the nativity scene, but I was so feeling it. I was so feeling it. Just the awe and the wonder of what we have in Jesus Christ. Yeah, he came to earth 2,000 years ago, but he still co- he comes to our heart every single day in that same way today. And I feel like his heart is in this thaw that's coming to our heart, a newness and a freshness he wants to bring to us to awaken our hearts to the revelation of the fullness of who he is for us. So let's just, let's pray. Hey. So Jesus, we just want, we just invite you to come and have your way with our hearts tonight, Jesus. You, the gift that came to us so long ago. You, the gift since present for us since before the foundation of the world. You were the gift for each and every one of us here in this room, for each and every person that's ever existed. You are the gift. You are the one. God, and um, I ask tonight we would just get a fresh, renewed uh, revelation of who you really are for us, each and every one of us. And God, give us the grace to allow our hearts to be softened as you would, as you would do so. As you, we ask God for the warmth of your love, the warmth of your affection to come and thaw anything in our hearts that needs to be softened and made available to you, God. Thank you that your love is everything we hope it to be. (laughs) Help us to see it more clearly tonight. Yeah, amen. So that little scene we were just watching from Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, that scene was right at this point where there had been a hundred years of winter, snow on the ground, and the witch had had this curse, right? Remember that story? And then the four Pevensey, is that their Pevensey children came into this land, right? They came into this land. They were prophesied. They was prophesied they were going to come into that land. And when they came into the land, everything was going to start changing, So I want to read just a little piece from the book about what was going on. This is, uh, this is from the, um, when the witch is actually on her sledge in the snow trying to track down the Pevensey children because she wants to take them out because she knows that if they do what they want to do, 
then um, she's not going to have power anymore. And she's going after Aslan too. So let's, let's just, I just want to do this piece where, um, read this part about the sledge where they've been going through the snow, whipping up the reindeer, and suddenly the sledge stuck so fast it couldn't go on at all. When that happened, there was a moment's silence. And in that silence, Edmund could at last listen to the other noise properly, a strange, sweet, rustling, chattering sound. And yet, not so strange, for he knew he'd heard it before. If only he could remember where. Then all at once, he remembered. It was the noise of running water. All around them, though out of sight, there were streams chattering, murmuring, bubbling, splashing, and even in the distance, roaring. And his heart gave a great leap, though he hardly knew why, when he realized that the frost was over. And now the snow was really melting in earnest, and patches of green grass were beginning to appear in every direction. Unless you've looked at a world of snow as long as Edmund had been looking at it, you will hardly be able to imagine what a relief those green patches were after the endless white. Every moment, the patches of green grew bigger and the patches of snow grew smaller. Every moment, more and more of the trees shook off their robes of snow. Soon, wherever you looked, instead of white shapes, you saw the dark green of firs or the black prickly branches of bare oak and beeches and elms. The mist turned from white to gold and presently cleared away altogether. Shafts of delicious sunlight struck down onto the forest floor and overhead you could see the blue sky through the treetops. The sky was becoming bluer and bluer and now there were white clouds hurrying across it from time to time. The trees began to come fully alive. And then the dwarf said, the dwarf was driving the, the witch's sledge. This is no thaw, said the dwarf. This is spring. Your winter has been destroyed, I tell you. Aslan is on the move. For Aslan, he's the Jesus uh, figure in this book. He's the one, he's the lion who comes to take back the land. So we, we live in a world where we just go through stuff sometimes. We just go through stuff. We get disappointed. We get hurt. We have expectations. Our expectations aren't met. And sometimes these things come into our heart and they start, there's a little bit of hardening that takes place because it's just the way of the world. The world system just is not the system of our king. And we are trying to live there and here at the same time. But there are times we just lose, we lose sight of who we really are and who he really is for us. And our heart can get hardened. We've wanted, we've yearned, we've hoped. And then when it doesn't happen, we're like, well, when's it going to happen? What, what's going on, God? Have you forgotten me? He has not forgotten you. 
He, didn't for, he hadn't forgotten you from 2,000 years ago. He has not forgotten you. There's this softness that's coming upon the land, I believe, upon our hearts. And the more we allow him to come in and bring a softening to that heart, what I am seeing is there is going to be fruitfulness and giftedness he's going to pour out upon us like we've never seen before. He's just looking for our hearts. He's looking for yielded, ready, willing hearts. Now, when Mary lived on planet Earth 2,000 years ago, 2,000 plus years ago, um, she knew the prophecies. She knew it was the word of the, the, you know, from the Old Testament. The word was there will be this virgin and she will give birth to Emmanuel, God among us. So when the angel showed up, the angel of the Lord shows up to Mary and starts speaking to her. You have found favor with God, he said, and behold, you will, you are the one. You're the one who will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. And he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forevermore. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Now, Mary is what? 13, 12 years old, something like that, betrothed to Joseph. And this angel shows up. You're going to be pregnant with God. Really? Can you you imagine being in that place? Can you imagine being Mary? I mean, it's probably kind of... I mean, she's like, I'm just, you know, all my girlfriends are getting married and we're going to have our families and I'm going to stay at home and I'm going to do whatever I do, whatever, whatever you do, you know, we're going to bake bread together and we're going to go do laundry together at the local stream. You know, I don't think they had laundromats back then. That's what I'm going to do with my life. It's going to be awesome. Joseph's a great guy. This is going to be really cool. Angel shows up. You are the one. You are the one. You are the one. You are going to find yourself impregnated by God himself. You remember her response? She's like, huh? But her heart was already so prepared, so yielded. In my mind, she made an amazing fast course correction like, Wow, okay, um, well, I'm not so sure about all this. But remember her response, be it unto me, as you say. Dang, her whole life just got derailed. That, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it was so okay to have a child out of wedlock back then. I'm, I'm just guessing, I'm, I'm not sure, but she, I'm sure, had things, uh, her expectations, how things were going to go. But when the angel came up, she's like, I get it. I'm okay with this. Because she was believing that what he could hope 
and dream and believe for her was far better than what she could hope and dream and believe for herself. That's how soft her heart was. Be able to believe that, well, you love me that much. I'm going to believe you love me. I believe, I'm going to believe you care for me, so this must be okay. It's kind of weird. It's kind of out there. To me, that was amazing. I know I get, I get stuck on my expectations on how things are going to go, and it can be hard when I have to make that shift. Yeah, I can be tough sometimes. But this is the deal about Mary. Her awe and her amazement of what was just given to her overshadowed her need to have her expectations met in the way she was expecting them to turn out. She was so in awe so in wonder that me, I am chosen to be the mother of God. God would come and visit me. Wow. I am honored. I am honored beyond anything I can imagine. And I really think that's what her heart was. It was that reality of this is, this is God himself who wants to inhabit me. The word of God is coming and becoming incarnate within me. I get the privilege and honor of watching this come forth. For her, I believe that sort of took precedence over how's this going to look for the world? I'm sure that was there, but her heart was so yielded, so available to God. Brent, um, spoke earlier about how this was um, planned from before the foundation of the earth. Before the foundation of the world, this whole thing was planned out, how Jesus was going to come. Our need for him, his need for us, his need, Emmanuel, to come and dwell with us. It's his plan from the very beginning. I want to look at something and kind of develop something from from actually the Old Covenant that's a foreshadowing of the preparation of the temple, which I believe is a type of the preparation of our very hearts. Solomon and David were just so wanting God to come and dwell among them that they were like, dude, we will do whatever it takes to get you to come here, God. And David wanted it so bad, right, that he was not given that honor and privilege. It went to his son Solomon. But Solomon, I think, had a revelation of God. In Second Chronicles 6, he's saying, God, will you really dwell on earth with men? The heavens and even the highest heavens cannot contain you. What am I thinking? <laughs> what am I thinking that I could prepare something here on earth that you would be willing to inhabit? What am I thinking? But yet, would you do that, God? Would you do that? So he went to work, didn't he? He went to work. And decided and said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pull out all the stops, God. I'm going to make this thing so drop-dead gorgeous, you will not be able to resist this temple. 
This is going to be amazing. In First Corinthians, I'm sorry, Second Chronicles five, they, they, all these preparations. They had gold and jewels and cedars and all this stuff. It's all laid out there in Chronicles. And when all the work Solomon had done for the temple was finished, he brought in the things his father David had dedicated: the silver, the gold, and the furnishings, and he placed them in the treasuries of God's temple. And they brought up the ark. The ark was that the place, the resting place for the Lord back in those days. And the tent of meeting and all the sacred furnishings in it. The priests who were Levites carried them up and King Solomon and the entire assembly of Israel that had gathered about him were before the ark. Sacrificing so many sheep and cattle, they could not be recorded or counted. So many sheep, so many cattle, so great. They knew it. It was already in their heart before the foundation of the world. This was a reality. They knew they could feel in their heart, we have got to make such a sacrifice for this thing to be prepared, worthy of a habitation for our king. They could feel that. It's got to be big. This has got to be big beyond measure. It's got to be big. And the priests brought the Ark of the Lord's Covenant to its place in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and put it beneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread their wings over the place of the Ark and covered the Ark and its carrying poles. There was nothing in the Ark except the two tables that Moses had placed in at Horeb where the Lord had made a covenant with the Israelites after they came out of Egypt. And the priests then withdrew from the holy place. They had consecrated themselves. And all the Levites who were musicians, Asaph, Heman, Jeduthun, <laughs> all of them stood on the east side of the altar, dressed in linen and playing cymbals, harps, and lyres. They are accompanied by priests sounding trumpets, 120 priests sounding trumpets. The trumpeters and the singers joined in unison as with one voice to give praise and thanks to the Lord, accompanied by the trumpets and cymbals. They raised their voices and they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love endures forever. And the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And I would propose to you that Solomon's temple, in all its glory and all its beauty, does not match the beauty God sees when he looks upon a heart prepared for him. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool, but where does he want to abide? Heart. The sacrifice made was beyond count or measure. 
So many sheep, so many oxen, you can count. Here's a thought. And what about that much sacrifice, that many animals? How about that stench? Who is it that took your stench for you? sacrifice Jesus did on the cross far surpasses everything that was done under the old covenant. He did it everything necessary, everything necessary to make you a holy of holies unto the Lord. You are that holy of holies unto the Lord. See, God didn't need all that wealth. He didn't need all that gold. Mm -mm, I don't think so all the cedar and all that fancy stuff. I don't think he needed any of that for himself. He did all that to help reveal to his people the value, the value we have of the privilege and honor of inviting him into our heart. He said, that's how much I value being with you. That's how much I value your heart. That's how much I value you without measure, (laughs) gold, jewels, cedar, sacrifice without measure. That's how much he cherishes our heart and the privilege he has to inhabit our heart. It's who you are. You are his holy of holies on planet earth. The fullness of God is more than willing to come and indwell you. It's the softness of our heart that determines how much of him do we want in there? How, how deep into that place do we want him to go? He's already there, but how deep do we want him to go? He's already taken care of all the conditions. He did. I want to go back to Mary a little bit now because I just wanted to see um, just, it was what happened under the new under the old covenant was such a type of what's happening for us under the new covenant. See, the only thing, remember, the only thing in the ark was the word, was the, the, um, the tablets, the Moses. When Mary was pondering this whole thing the angel just told her about how God is going to come and she's going to be impregnated with the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings she's told this nothing is ever impossible with God and no word from God will be without power or impossible of fulfillment the word she was impregnated with the word of God The word made flesh within us. A lot of you have words and promises within you that you thought maybe, don't know, don't know if that's going to happen. His word in you has impregnated you. He is growing that. He is birthing that thing within you. His word of his life. I believe we're in a season now where we can expect some of those words, some of those hopes and dreams to start coming back to the surface again. 
Because there's this, just a season been on our life where our heart is now ready like never before to receive that word. So when Jesus was born, remember Mary and Joseph, she's nearing term, they have to go back to Bethlehem. And it's very crowded. Uh, God could have, come on, he could have opened up a palace. He could have opened up an inn. He's God. Nothing is impossible with God, right? He could have done anything. Why a stable? What was he thinking? Why a stable? I don't know. Mary might have been kind of disappointed. I would imagine. I mean, a stable, animals and hay and not very clean. I think it's, at least in part, it's a reminder to all of us. God is happy to inhabit a palace or a stable. It's not the trappings he's after. It's not your great gifts or your position in life or your titles. It's just your willing heart. He's so happy to inhabit (laughs) Some of us maybe look at our heart and think, hmm, stable. Yeah, that, that, that's what I feel like. And God's like, great, here I come. I'm happy. <laughs> if that's all you feel like you are, I'm happy to come and join you there. Stable or palace, he just wants us to want him. <laughs> he just wants us to open up and make ourselves available to him, and he will take up absolutely as much space as we let him take. That is his heart for us. He wants you far more than you would ever could ever possibly want him. Remember, this has all been his idea from the very beginning. Our hearts are only responding to what he already dreamed up for us. So I do want to just um, just encourage you again. Remember, it was Jesus had pretty humble beginnings. Pretty humble beginnings. I'm sure Mary saw this baby born. And can you imagine? Really, you're going to be the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. You're, you've been this one forming in my womb, and you are the Lord. You are the Savior of the earth. Really, how's this going to happen? How's this going to be? But she was so willing to believe, just willing. She couldn't figure it all out. She couldn't make any of it happen. All she could do was, I'll believe, Lord. I don't know quite how to believe, but I'll believe. Last year at at this time, Russ and I felt... um, that it would be go- good to go back and visit our old church. As one of the um, one of the men at that church, he does just this amazing um, recitation sometimes, where he memorizes a whole chunk of scripture. Um, you know, from just re- memorizes it. In this case, he was going to do the the story of Jesus coming. You know, the birth of Jesus, 
and they did such an amazing presentation. He he was reading from the um, the birth of Jesus of coming to Bethlehem and all that, and they were they were doing it with music. It was so anointed. I went there. I went there two thousand years ago, and I was able to watch what it was like where they were there in the stable. And the shepherds, their faces were glowing from the light of all the angels. And they were bowing and they didn't even know what to say. They're like, how do we show? How do we show how in awe and how amazed we are that we could live to see this moment? And the wise men also What do we say? What do we do? We've never done this before. But the overarching sense I had was how amazed, how in awe, how privileged. Like like, uh, Mary said, be it unto me as you say. This is really hard to believe. This is really hard to imagine. But I'm willing to believe. And I want to speak prophetically to all of you. Jesus has impregnated you with himself. You're no different than Mary. You're no different than Mary. All of God inhabits you. He does. All of God adores you. And if you want more of that, I ask God that you would allow us every day to dig deep and receive a greater sense of awe and wonder of what it is you have done for us, each and every one. I ask that every day it would be made fresh and new again. All of God. You're qualified. Only he can qualify you, though. (laughs) So may we agree with Mary, be it unto us 